We are the lab doctors. I'm Amanda. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Zhao Yong. We are biomedical researchers who realize we still have a lot to learn about science. So why not join us on this quest? Welcome back to the Lab Doctors Podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about serotonin and depression. I realised I like to talk about depressive topics. I asked you if I would be depressed after today's episode and you're literally talking about depression, but you said no. I don't think it's particularly like a very depressing topic. So why I wanted to talk about this topic, actually, I didn't really want to talk about this topic. I didn't know this topic (laughs) even existed until like one of our listeners put it on my radar and they told me, hey, maybe there's something that you all want to look into. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. So my first question is, what do you know about depression with regards to the neurochemicals in our brain? This is very basic and please don't come at me. (laughs) Uh, So I know we have the different happy hormones, right? So Mm -hmm. serotonin, dopamine, endorphins and... Oxytocin. Oxytocin, yes. But I feel like it's serotonin that is the major one at play because of the drugs, which is the SSRIs. So the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So we have serotonin floating around in our brain when it gets picked up by the neurons Mm. then it triggers like the happy feels (laughs) oh my god I'm struggling through this but okay but so but sometimes there's like serotonin floating around but then they don't soak up that serotonin so it's just there so like maybe they don't feel happy or like it gets uh, re-uptake into something then there's nothing floating around so then you don't get to use it I know the drug at least like prevents the reuptake, so it like leaves the serotonin floating around for longer. Right, right. And that's my <laughs> very layman explanation of what I think <laughs> SSRI is. It wasn't layman at all. I was just going to say something like super uh-huh. not scientific. Uh-huh. I was just going to say like, I feel that mental illness in general or like depression is not something you can control 100%. Why? I don't know if it's genetic, but I, think I, I feel like you cannot control. Like you can give all the chemicals and everything. You right. can like try to mentally psych yourself that I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good today, but then it might not work mm. for whatever scientific reasons you explain. But I just mm. feel like it might not work. Yeah, okay. So Amanda mentioned about selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So what does that mean about serotonin levels to you? The higher it is, uh-huh. the more happy you can feel. Ah, interesting you say that. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Is not? Are you so, going to blow my mind? <laughs> so in general, I think the general populace, we all understand somewhat that depression or mental health conditions are partially due to the neurochemicals in our brain and like whether or not it's in balance or whether or not it's high enough, low enough. So this idea of abnormalities in neurochemicals, particularly serotonin, also known as 5-hydroxytryptamine or 5-HT. 5-HT. Yeah was first publicized in a review in the 1960s. It suggested a plausible link between lowered serotonin and depression. So they suggest people with depression tend to have lower serotonin levels in their brain. Mm -hmm. This theory was only popularized in the 1990s with the advent of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs and they are commonly referred to as antidepressants. So if you had this impression, you are not alone because roughly 80% or more of the general public believe that this link between chemical imbalances and depression is scientifically established. Wow, 80% in like today's society? Maybe it's because we're living in Asia. Really? (laughs) No, 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 as in like, I don't know. I don't feel like 80% of the population thinks it's about chemical imbalance. I feel like a lot of 
uh-huh. people I know. It's like mentally weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like some people are like, just don't be sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, this 80%, where was it? Probably US, I guess. Yeah, uh, I'm feeling yeah, US. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I mean, this was a belief that I also had. I, I thought it was like, certain people are just born with, you know, lower levels of like certain neurotransmitters. They cannot make as much neurotransmitters and that's why... Oh, lower tend, sensitivity as well. Yeah, yeah, and they tend to be more susceptible to like depression or other mental health conditions. And so, for this umbrella review that I looked at, they only talk about serotonin and depression. Mm-hmm. And it's a research team led by Dr. Joanna Moncrief and Dr. Mark Horowitz. Oh, um, I think we've talked we about that? him before. Oh. Mark Horowitz. Yeah, that suggests that actually this neurochemical imbalance or this lowered serotonin levels may not actually be responsible for depression at all. <sighs> <laughs> At this juncture, I would like to ask y'all, do y'all know what an umbrella review is? Because when I heard umbrella review or read umbrella review, I was just thinking about Umbrella Academy. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought you came up with it. I mean, I thought you, it's just something that you use. No, no, no. It's like an actual title study. No idea. No, yeah. Okay, basically, umbrella reviews are reviews of reviews. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So it compiles all the evidence from existing reviews on a topic to give a higher level overview. So they include mostly like systematic reviews and or meta-analyses. So you know like how these reviews, they review papers or like studies, like many different studies and compile it into one paper. Yeah. So an umbrella review compiles all these papers into like one one, paper. One paper. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it is considered the highest level of evidence in modern medicine. However, they can only pose questions that have been previously asked in systematic reviews and meta-analyses. So these questions are seldom specific or mechanistic. Mm. So they can only ask like more broad-based questions, mm. yeah. like whether or not serotonin is linked to depression exactly but they cannot say whether or not serotonin binding to a particular receptor is linked to depression yeah something like that so that's it this study includes 17 other studies and addressed a few questions so 17 may sound little but remember this is like 17 systematic reviews yeah that's quite big that's quite a lot which they themselves include like hundreds of papers and so if properly assessed actually umbrella reviews the results can be very robust yeah but for the sake of time I'll only focus on the questions that they focus more on also because those are the ones that give a more significant result. Oh, I can't wait to read the paper. Yeah, if you're interested, we will link the Nature Molecular Psychiatry paper and you can find out what are the questions they were interested in as well. So, as I have alluded to, this umbrella review found that no evidence of reduced serotonin activity in people with depression was found compared to people without depression. Serotonin activity? Yes. What does that mean in terms of levels? So like regardless of serotonin levels, it doesn't really translate translate to a functional output, which is like depression. Mm. Yeah. They also found that artificially reducing serotonin availability by tryptophan depletion do not consistently lower the moods in volunteers as well. So what this means is they give like a drug or something that reduces serotonin levels in neurotypical people. And then they would expect that these people will become depressed if there's a link, right? But yeah, there isn't a 
sorry, they didn't do it, but like, they compiled the studies that did this yeah. and it showed that it didn't. The study also found that long-term antidepressant use might result in the activation of compensatory mechanisms that counter the effect of SSRIs. Mm. So basically a negative feedback. So yeah. if I use an inhibitor for serotonin levels, it might actually cause my serotonin levels to decrease even further. Is that bad? Isn't that bad? Yeah. So Yeah, it's very bad. So basically yeah. means you're like kind of stuck with it forever. Yeah. Uh, or you can get off it and like be more depressed, which is yeah. sucky. As in, so there will be essentially withdrawal symptoms uh, if serotonin levels really affect depression. But that's the thing. With this result, I was like, why are y'all focusing on it if serotonin doesn't affect depression? So yeah. even if it causes like long-term effects, it doesn't cause me to be more depressed. But Maybe I mean, there's a threshold, like yeah. how low it can drop. Maybe, maybe. But I was also thinking like, yeah, obviously there are going to be other effects la, with, I mean, we are only looking at serotonin and depression, but like what if serotonin also affects other things? Uh, yeah, so. Serotonin I mean, affects wakefulness, doesn't it? Exactly. We so, talked about it in the coffee episode. But in either case, long-term antidepressant use can actually cause this and- Is there any pro, mm-hmm. I was to say pro-depression, but it sounds wrong also. I don't think there are like <laughs> specific drugs that will induce depression, but I think there are drugs whose side effects are yes. mood changes and depression. Wait, I'm confused. So yeah, the drugs you're talking about increase serotonin levels yes. artificially and that results in your body decreasing serotonin levels. Production. Yes. Yeah. Compensatory mechanisms. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so are there drugs that decrease serotonin levels <laughs> so that you personally <laughs> increase it? <laughs> I mean, not that I know of, but like that's also another mechanism that we don't know. Like we will assume that the compensatory mechanism would be to increase yeah. serotonin levels. But what if it's suddenly a positive feedback loop and then it decreases it further? Uh. So you never really know, right? Mm. Like how exactly drugs would work. So what do you feel about SSRIs now? Are they effective in treating I'm depression? so worried. <laughs> SSRIs are so widely prescribed for uh-huh. a lot of things. We talked about it even in the PMS, like the period episodes and oh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I like, don't we remember did? these things. <laughs> I feel like this is the first time I hear SSRIs. <laughs> Yeah, but besides like just depression, there's like PMD, which is the like condition like related to PMS, which like may involve like depression or like mood changes. And yeah, I'm pretty sure SSRIs are prescribed for that as well. I mean, unsurprisingly, stress as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with the publishing of this paper, like quite a number of media outlets have been calling for a paradigm shift in the prescription of Mm. SSRIs. And this is causing quite a bit of controversy controversy around these findings. So why is there even controversy? So first thing is the paper seems groundbreaking in asserting that lowered serotonin levels are not responsible for depression. However, these claims are actually largely already assumed in the psychiatric and psychologic community. Mm. So it is only the uninitiated that still hold on to these theories. So basically the general population. Yeah, because if not, then what's the explanation that's going to be accepted? That was what I was going to say. I think a lot of times like we as scientists, we also kind and like simplify and like make certain things more layman and easier to absorb by the general populace. But that's not always the most helpful because then like maybe certain harmful ideas. In this case, I don't know whether or not it's really harmful, but like certain harmful ideas are stuck in the consciousness of general populace. But that's why I also wanted to talk to y'all 
about it because as a researcher and a scientist, whenever I talk about science or a particular topic about science to my friends that are not in the scientific community, a lot of times I get stuff like, oh, but can you simplify? Oh, but yeah, like, yeah. can you like, don't make it so sciencey, please? I mean, fair enough. You want to make it accessible mm-hmm. such that people like can relate or contextualize whatever you're talking about, mm-hmm. but it can't be imprecise, which is the trade-off that you have to like make. Yeah, but I think a lot of times it's hard for people to conceptualize the nuances of research. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. People think like what they read or like whatever you say mm. is like the truth. Yeah. But mm. most of the time it's like... The truth in this very specific scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times as much as like, oh, a new study found something, it is under these certain conditions that the experiment was conducted in or the study was conducted in or for the time frame that we have observed. A lot of times we just don't have the funding to like do long-term studies. Yeah. And, and so I don't know that, that there's quite a lot of balance that need to be struck but I don't know what that balance is and I don't know how to like get my friends to understand that it is not that simple but they just want things to be simple but yet they can talk about finance and a bunch of economics like human constructs <laughs> for like hours and hours and I'm just like and this is okay <sighs> But anyway, there's also quite a bit of criticism in the extrapolation of the findings to the use and mechanisms of SSRIs. So this review's scope is actually relatively narrow because it focuses on the relationship between depression and lowered serotonin concentration or activity. So not the psychopharmological mechanisms of antidepressants, nor their efficacy. So and before we blame, you know, the media for distorting how science is communicated, because actually I also felt that the review paper was framed that the discussion really overemphasizes on the potential misuse of SSRIs. Mm. Um, and even the authors, Moncrief and Horowitz, also agreed that the paper, quote, does not address the effectiveness of antidepressants in clinical trials. End of quote. So we are just saying that that link between serotonin and depression might not be there, but that doesn't mean SSRIs don't work. Right. Yeah. So in other words, SSRIs function to raise serotonin levels may not be its mechanism of action in alleviating symptoms. Oh, okay. It may not be. It could be one of the things. Exactly. We assume that how SSRIs work is by increasing serotonin levels. But what if that's not how it works? Uh So in fact, there have been studies to show that SSRIs may reduce depressive symptoms by altering neuroplasticity, reward seeking, and also regulating mood. Yeah, it's not as simplistic as we... Exactly. And I think, again, that's the whole part about oh, we think a drug is only supposed to do one thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, when we test it in clinical trials or test it in animal models, we realize that actually it does a lot more than that. And that's why there are side effects. It's all about the dosage of the drug that we are using. Yeah. Actually, sometimes I don't know if y'all feel this way, but like, I'm like, just see the effect. Uh, just don't think about the mechanism. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's how clinical trials work. You often just give it to people, at, I mean, depending on the type of study, but at increasing doses until you observe whatever effect there is. Yeah. And then can say like oh whether or not this drug works but the annoying thing is like when you say this drug works everyone wants to know the mechanism exactly. if not you cannot get it out there in the scientific community exactly. which is annoying because if the drug works it's just good for you <laughs> I guess they want to know the mechanism of action because they need to know like if there's side effects and stuff like exactly. that exactly yeah well, but that's the thing, like if a drug really is good, mm-hmm. it will go out into the market, go into clinical trials fast before you even find out the mechanism of action, like yes. paracetamol. Yeah. Yes, yes. And the part about science where it's like actually awfully unscientific, like, if you ask me, yeah. it's the sad job of researchers where like, we just need to navigate that and like deal with the heartbreak. <sighs> the heartbreak is what they don't tell you about research. 
Okay, so I'm, I mean, ultimately what I do want to say is that I'm still grateful for this review though. Because like, knowledge is still important. Yeah. Getting knowledge is important. Getting negative results, meaning like <laughs> serotonin not causing depression. Yeah. It's also important. Yeah. yeah. As in, I think it's good in a sense that then it's sort of a, like informing people that, yeah, it's not just chemical imbalances they yeah. need to treat, but like with psychiatric treatment, yes. they not only like just give you drugs, but there's also a lot of like talking, therapy, mm. whatever other things lah. Yes. And self healing, I don't know. Yes, what. yes. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I guess then hopefully that also minimizes the reliance on these kind of drugs. And it's like just everything needs to come together for you to improve. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what the psychiatric community is saying. It's like we're not just depending on drugs. And in fact, there are a lot of behavioral therapies that are involved with all these treatments as well. It's not just drugs, but drugs like help you yeah. reach a level that, you know, you can still function or like you can actually go through those behavioral therapies. Yeah. So, so that's why they are very concerned when this paper came out because then like a lot of people are like, oh, let's just not use the drugs anymore because they don't work. Mm. I think it is still important that we still have faith in our medical professionals. And actually, like all of them are mostly quite up to date with the latest developments in medical sciences. Because mm. like they still need to take exams and stuff yeah. like, quite often. Yeah, they need to attend seminars. <laughs> Life yeah. of doctors are quite tough. Yeah, but if you are ever uncomfortable with what your physician is prescribing, ask them about it. And if they are not receptive, maybe choose to like... Get a second opinion. Get a second opinion. If you're privileged enough to do so, you know. Yeah. But like... Listen to your own body as well. Yeah. Like you know yourself the best. Don't expect your doctor to like just tell you everything. You should like feedback like, oh, does this drug work for me? Yes. How do I feel? Yes. Yes. All these things are important. Yeah, but on the flip side, it's like don't be too stubborn also. Like yeah, some yeah, people yeah, yeah. are just, I don't want to take this anymore because it didn't work or something, you know? Exactly. Then, then obviously like with all the therapy, you can't help yourself or so. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need to have faith in our physicians, scientists. Yes. Because I mean, we're still figuring shit out. Honestly, like we thought the earth was like what? The center of the universe or a longer part of human history than then, a- yeah actually. what we know now yeah so in fact who knows maybe we are not revolving around the sun who knows maybe like 1000 years later people are like oh no actually that's the giant turtle that's- that we're revolving around yeah that, that is like pushing the sun around yes. and, then- <laughs> and that is dark energy and my friends are gonna kill me because some of them are physicists and they're <laughs> Sorry to all the physicists out there. And as usual, follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel. A like and a comment would really help us out. You can also follow us on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and feel free to DM us any questions. Alternatively, you can email us at thelabdoctors at gmail.com. We'll link all the articles in the episode description, so check them out. Bye.